0: Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. Welcome to a new episode of the Thrive Podcast. Today I have another powerhouse woman with me. Her name is Paola Fonseca, and Paola is originally from Colombia and is now living in Miami. Uh, she's an industrial engineer with an additional d- degree in marketing, who's had a very successful corporate career at Nielsen, a global performance management company that provides comprehensive understanding of what consumers watch and buy. And after starting out as a consumer panel service executive in Colombia, Paula worked her way all the way up the marketing ladder within Nielsen and took over her first position as marketing vice president for Latin America and Mexico at the age of just 40 years old. And followed that by another vice presidential position in strategy and innovation. And I am so happy to have her with us today uh, because um, you are actually the very first person with, let's say, the, the classical corporate career, which I have on the podcast. I mean... People did that, of course, also before they transitioned into another kind of business of their own. But you really went all the way, I think, up the corporate ladder, which there, it doesn't get much higher. And so I'm really mm-hmm. happy to share like this kind of perspective with so many listeners who I know are, you know, doing the classical corporate thing still and uh, are, I'm sure, very curious to hear how you were able to do that. So welcome so much to the Thrive Podcast, Paula.
1: Oh, thank you, Olga. It's a pleasure being here with you.
0: Yeah. Um, well, like I mentioned, I think um there's so many people out there, so many women out there who, I mean, not everybody wants to go for their own business and who um, enjoy actually being in a company. And um, what I really loved about your story when I heard it is not only, I mean, just the challenge of growing so fast within a company, is impressive, but also you were doing it in an environment which I think is not necessarily the most, um, let's say, supportive for a woman to be in <laughs> culturally. Um, and so I, I was curious, to, like, to start out um, wondering, did you have any role models when you grew up who, you know, who showed you that this is something that is, um, let's say, available for you? Or ha- where did that kind of, let's say, desire come from to go this far?
1: Uh, yes, I would say yes. I mean, I grew up, I would say, as a normal kid. Uh, my parents had different backgrounds and none of them were, let's say, corporate people. Mm-hmm. My dad was actually an engineer who had his own construction company in Colombia, so he was like independent. And my mom is a physiotherapist. Mm. So they worked in very different fields from that mine and they had their own businesses, but always, always uh, encouraged me to follow my dreams or were happy with me working for a big company because they knew that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of the role model, I would say my mom, as a woman, was always a a role model for me. Um, She was always a a woman who stood out in everything she did, like at school, at university, at work, and she always, always reinforced and stressed the importance of doing your best, delivering mm-hmm. the strong miles. Uh, you can achieve what you want if you put all your passion on it. So that was kind of the mentality mm-hmm. she always tried to give us in my family, and that definitely had a big influence in me as a person and as a professional, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: And so, where did you, did you actually, you know, actually growing up with with parents who were kind of doing, let's say, pursuing their own passion, where did you get that kind of interest into joining a big company and, let's say, doing the classical corporate career?
1: I mean, that was something that just maybe came up when I was at university because I have always loved working with people. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'm a kind of citizen of the world. I went to England to study. So I wanted to work for something broader, maybe, that, that, mm-hmm. than a small company. So it was not necessarily something that I was thinking about all my life. But when it came up, I said, like, this is a great option. And, mm-hmm. and I don't regret I, I found that choice. And yeah. I took it.
0: That's awesome. And, I mean, I really... I'm actually like really impressed. I mean, by the age of of 40 to go from let's say starting out with an entry level position to going all the way mm-hmm. up to you know, um vice president um like how did you or what has helped you to actually be promoted time and time again because you were selected sometimes as the only employee from the company to participate in special mm-hmm. programs and all these things. So what do you think has helped you to go all the way up in such a short amount of time, actually?
1: (laughs) I I think it's a hard question because there are many, many different things and Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to say, but I would say that what helped me to be promoted was mainly the fact that I always enjoyed so much what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I always tried to, to do my best because I really liked and I believed in what in what I was doing so mm-hmm. i think that was something that maybe my bosses and the people around could notice mm-hmm. that i was really following a passion and i put all my work to 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 do it because i just loved what i was doing i i would say i never consider myself like the smartest person of the mm-hmm. of the team or or necessarily the most qualified but i could tell you that for sure, I was one of the ones who was making the best effort and doing the best. But basically, because I liked what I was doing, I enjoyed and mm-hmm. I loved it. And yeah.
0: Did, did you find it? Did you find it difficult to, um, let's say, find supporters or support from your bosses to uh, be, let's say, also pushed to the next level? Because what I I see from personal experience also is that sometimes even though people put in their best effort, they're not necessarily, you know, supported by their boss or by their supervisor to go to that next level. So uh, regardless of kind of, let's say, the results that they're giving, it's always like you're always dependent on the person above you in the hierarchy. So how was that experience for you?
1: I don't know, maybe maybe I was lucky or maybe I always try to get a good connection with my bosses mm-hmm. I had very different type of bosses I would say I, I had like maybe five big bosses in my life they were different I have like four men and one women and I always try to understand them by what they were I mean not like they are my bosses. I need to treat them like a boss. Mm-hmm. He was more like a counselor, a person I was close with. Mm-hmm. So when you understand and know your boss as a person and not necessarily as a, as a worker, mm-hmm. I think you develop that capacity to understand well and to communic- communicate your expectations, what you like and what you don't. So maybe that was a key for me to get a very good connection with my bosses. Mm-hmm. And as they knew what me, my expectations were, they knew I loved what I loved. That's, that's I think it was important. Mm.
0: And did you, I mean, did you have very difficult bosses? Um, mm. Or would you say like, um, actually it was, it was uh, kind of easy once you were able to establish that relationship? To get their buy in. I mean,
1: I had bosses that people said they were difficult, but I didn't find them difficult. Mm. For me, always that I kept in mind is all the people that works with me, bosses, um, whoever, they are persons first than the people I'm working with. You know what I mean? So I always try to see them from the internal. Being that they are, so it doesn't matter if they were difficult for the others or they were easy people. if you can develop that kind of relation where you are transparent, you are honest i don't think there are not difficult bosses mm. but that was my my experience and would you say that you've been always very uh, let's say
0: open about let's say, the next steps that you want to take. Because what I also sometimes um, hear and observe is that people are waiting for them to be seen. And people are waiting for, let's say, to get offered a certain opportunity. Um what, I mean, what, what was your approach? Were you kind of, uh, let's say, open about it and going for it, communicating what it is that you want? Because I think some sometimes many women are holding back on just saying, you know, I want that.
1: I was always open. I mean, it was not always clear for me what my next step was, mm-hmm. but what was always clear for me, and I let them know to the people who were with me and, and to my bosses is, I am open I love what I do, so I'll be waiting and I'll be expecting for anything you give me. So I think when you have that openness, and sometimes I even raise my hand to the things that I wanted other people didn't want to do. But I wanted the company to feel that I was always there, even Mm. if there were not the, the most interesting things. So to your question, I would say it was important for me to always let the company know that I was open and ready for any next step they wanted for me. Mm.
0: And um how is it for you because for me personally um I don't I don't really let's say of course I have respect for the people but I have, I don't differentiate for example um on a personal level between a manager or my colleague to me there we're all people and we're all in yeah. different positions but i also know from latin culture um, that let's say this hierarchy thing and let's say having a supervisor or a boss um, people mm, people start to not necessarily let's say say or A voice what they what they think um they're like maybe um adapting the message to them because of you know respect because of like oh i can't say that to like my manager or i can't say that to um a certain level or feel that they can't really be open or honest about maybe even critical things how is your relationship with regards to that topic of like hierarchy and um boss
1: maybe no I would say that in when I worked in Colombia the that was the first part of my career Mm -hmm. the work environment was really friendly we were more, more like a family so it wasn't hard to communicate people were very often maybe as I was growing inside the company, I could notice what what I what you were telling me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I I always communicate very open. I was very transparent. And of course, always with respect. But I think if you want to be successful, mm-hmm. you have to learn to communicate efficiently. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that some people don't do, but those people who can communicate efficiently, straight and in a transparent way, of course keeping the respect are those who can be successful without communication and without being open in regards of what you feel, what you expect, and what you want mm-hmm. is 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 not a a good a good way to to succeed. You need to be effective in terms of communication with your boss and with whoever. You are talking to something that I always kept in mind was you are not your job. So this person who is not, who Mm -hmm. is there is not his role. It's not the position he has. Mm -hmm. It's the person. Yeah. So, so in terms of communication, my recommendation and what I always did was being open, communicating efficiently uh, and listen a lot.
0: Mm. So How would you describe a very, you know, uh, a very effective or good communication? I mean, if, for example, people who are listening and um, maybe they they also see it as maybe one of their uh, skills that need to be developed. What can they, from your point of view, pay attention to in their communication for it to be more efficient and more effective?
1: I always say talk less, say more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you is <don't, yeah. laughs> it, that talk less say more and listen 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 uh, one one person that I, uh, I admire a lot said once if you need to know if you're communicating efficiently with your team mm-hmm. so the proportion uh, is uh, 70% listening 30% talking mm. so for me it's talk less say more and listen a lot of course, you need other things like being empathetic and inclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you communicate, think of of other people' and expectations. But the key is listen a lot, uh, talk less, and say more.
0: <laughs> I love that. Actually, I I feel like uh, so many times it's the other way around. It's just you are you as an employee are listening to to your yeah, boss.
1: Exactly. And... I believe me that that applies with with family with your kids with everyone it's not like only for a company
0: i mean did you have to learn that is that something that you had to learn the hard way or is that something that you feel comes natural to you
1: no i think it's it's both part is natural but i think i had to face some difficult situations also to learn because when you are just starting your career sometimes you think that if you are the person who say more things in a meeting, you mm-hmm. are the best. And with the time you learn, that is not so. So no, I think it's a path. It's a path. So how do you think, um, if if you,
0: if you could give some advice to, to more women out there who maybe want to create that corporate career for themselves, what are some ways that they can really, let's say, shine? So Like you mentioned, maybe not just not just talk to be, you know, to be seen, to raise your hand. It's like in university, the ones who are always saying something (laughs) are getting like uh, seems like the better grades. But what are some things that they can really take into consideration to be really like noticed and to really shine within their company?
1: Mm, I think it doesn't depend on whether you are a woman or a woman or a man. For me, it's not a matter of Mm -hmm. fighting against the others. Uh, For me, maybe the main thing is, and I have said this several times during our conversation, Mm -hmm. is if you want to shine, the first thing is you have to love what you do. Mm. If you don't like what you are doing, if you don't want to be working on the company you're working for, maybe it's going to be hard to shine. So the first thing to change is you need to be where where you have to be and in a place where you feel comfortable at. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing I would say is always to be honest, whatever it takes. Mm. Uh, keep your principles, your ethics, and defend those principles. Even if you lose a business, for me, the honesty is the thing that, will make you shine and, and, and be first, believe it or not. Sometimes you can lose a business because you decide to tell the truth. But mm. you will feel well, and at the end of the day, if you are honest, if you keep your principles, uh, you will always succeed. Um, the other thing is maybe believing the people, I would say that. I mean, to grow wherever you are in a company wherever you need to trust and believe in the people who are working with you Mm. so more than searching for unrecognition work with your team educate them educate your team and give them the chance to be great
2: Mm.
1: give other people the chance to be great for me that was that was something that my bosses did for me Mm. they made a bed for me they allowed me to develop myself and gave me the chance to degrade so mm-hmm. that is something that that you should do if you if you want to shine as you say yeah um, as, as i mentioned before being empathetic and inclusive mm-hmm. with the other think of the other people feelings and expectations um, be i would say that being kind and humble is other of the keys don't see uh, don't see your mate as a competitor, but as a team member. Mm-hmm. So for me, teamwork was maybe one of the most important things that that I developed with the time and that made me grow in the company. Mm-hmm. If you work for yourself and you're thinking only on your own success, you won't achieve anything. Always work as a team. Mm.
0: And what what would you say, I mean, what would you say has, has changed with each position? Or maybe let's start with the bigger gap. Like, what would you say is the difference between somebody starting out at a entry level and at the mm-hmm. vice presidential level? I mean, of course, the responsibility is different. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, what's the biggest difference for you between um, the two different, like, let's say, positions, roles, or levels What that people are working in? Is there any?
1: Mm, maybe. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you're the same person. Mm-hmm. Of course, the responsibilities are, are different, are bigger. But thinking about it, I would say that the main difference is the way people see you. Mm. Because in every role, you're doing your best, you're doing what you want, you're doing, excuse me, what you know. Um, but at the end of the day, the main difference, if I think when I was an entry executive versus when I was a vice president, was the, the way the teams and the, the people was looking at you. I think the biggest responsibility is being that role model, mm. is being that person that people are thinking, look. She's there. Why she's there? Mm. So you need to teach through example. You need to be an inspiration. So be that inspiration maybe is the, the main challenge and the main, the main difference between mm-hmm. being an intro executive and, and being uh, a person at the top of the company. So that's why being honest, uh, keeping your principle is mm-hmm. so important. Because at the end of the day, the main difference is the way that people are looking at you mm.
0: what do you i mean what you, would you say that this should be this should be kind of the intrinsic motivation for somebody who who maybe mm, thinks or considers to go uh to climb a really high up the career ladder within the corporation like to have this kind of um, motivation of wanting to be like maybe an inspiration or a role model because what I yes. what I often see is many people go for that path because um, because of mainly status and power. It's because yeah. they're thinking that once they achieve like a certain level, uh, they will finally feel like respected and worthy, that people will look up to them, but not let's say in an inspiring way, but rather like in an ego. <laughs> ego um, soothing way and not realizing that all those things Mm -hmm. really they won't come from that position they're coming from within so from your point of view like what should be the right motivation to really go down this path because I mean it also comes a lot with a lot of costs for one personally I mean when it comes to time and family
1: yeah for me the main motivation was always being that inspiration I think Talking from my own experience, as I have mentioned, my motivation was really never power or status Mm -hmm. because, I mean, my family, as I told you, my parents always taught me that that, that's something temporary, that you have one day and then the next one, the power and the status just vanish. Mm -hmm. So as I always kept in mind that I was not my job, I I am Paola, I am the person, I'm the mom, I'm the friend, I'm the executive But I'm not my job, so I can't think of power as a motivator. Mm -hmm. I would say that the main motivation needs to be, like, do the right thing, do Mm -hmm. the best you can, put all the passion on it, and teach, through your example, to be the inspiration for others. I would say that is the motivation. I think the rest and the power and the position and everything else will come as an extra, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't think the power and the status are the things that will make you happy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think the things you will be remembered from are the power and the status that you got, but the things that you gave to others, how much you inspired them to be better people, mm-hmm. and to achieve uh, what uh, what they wanted, and to be the best version of themselves. For me, that is the aspiration. Mm. Did you, actually,
0: did you actually see, I mean, what kind of environment was that in, in Nielsen? Because if I, if I think about, I would say the majority of companies that I have had the chance to work in uh, so far. Yeah. I would say that sadly, many times, exactly those people who are, who are wanting to get ahead because of status, because of just wanting to feel more powerful, um, got promoted a lot. And rather the people who had, let's say, those great intentions, who are great leaders, um, were kind of thinned out at the top. <laughs> so was it was the environment that you experienced at Nielsen? I mean, was it was it similar, or did it actually really foster this kind of different culture?
1: No, no, no. I I I mean, I wouldn't say it was the perfect world, mm-hmm. but I think if I take the time to think of all the people who grew, who got to the top, to that inspired others. Mm-hmm. I I would say at the end of the day was the people who worked for what they believe, mm-hmm. they worked with love, with passion for what they did. Maybe you have some cases when when people that you say, these people with Sasha and Nigo is there, mm-hmm. but... I think those people don't last or at the end of the day you can mm. notice that they don't feel well, well with with themselves mm-hmm. and they are not those inspirators they can be the boss but they cannot be the inspirators and the motivators for for other people so that's the people you have to look at not necessarily who got to the top who is the president no look at the people who had the the balance between the personal life and the professional life, those people who value their employees, who enjoy what they are doing, those are the people that you need to look at. Mm.
0: Also, another thing that I'm like super interested about is uh, what I mentioned. Um, You, I mean, you come from a, or I would say Latin America is um, Mm -hmm. very um, characterized by a very macho, uh, machist, macho culture.
1: Yeah, macho culture.
0: Yeah, and and so um, that's why I mentioned at the beginning, uh, I think it's not necessarily easy for a woman to to go down a road like you have uh, without, I can imagine, a lot of maybe resistance or maybe, um, what's it called, jealousy or some kind of competition with men. So um, when it comes to, let's say, working with men in your work environment, what is like your recipe when it comes to that? Like f- for being taken, let's say, seriously with respect and be, <laughs> let's say, heard amongst them, be one of them, because I've I've also witnessed like quite a few... Um, let's say, situations where I see, like, in a circle of, let's say, 10 people, there's only two women, and usually the guys yeah. then talk uh, amongst them. And, of course, the women also say something, but it's usually, you know... Um, they're not very taken uh, much into consideration or it's just like, okay, they've talked, okay, let's go another path. So, and I don't want it to be like, let's say the typical situation for, for everyone, but this is just something that I have observed. And, um, yeah. th- that's why I'm curious, like even in a, in a macho country or macho culture, how, what, what was it like for you to work with men?
1: Yeah, saying is totally right. In my case, to be honest, I always felt comfortable working with men. Since I was at university, I could like, easily work very fluently with them. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, it was never an issue. Maybe when I was at the top of my career, a lot of people asked me, how do you do? And, and I said, "Like I don't know, because I, I, <laughs> I never felt it or I never realized. <laughs> the feeling I have is that when men see that, a, that women feel that a woman feel confident keeps her position as a woman mm-hmm. and and is not focused on competing all the time mm-hmm. against them or saying i'm better than you and and she has clear their objectives and work together well without thinking of those uh, gender differences yeah. they take you seriously Mm. If they see you're confident, you know what you're doing and you're not thinking on, on those things, they, they, they take you seriously. And generally speaking, they are respectful. It, maybe a couple of, of times, of, of, of course, I found unrespectful men. But mm-hmm. in, in, in those cases, I, I was always like very straightforward with them and, and told them I would never allow them to, to such a behavior or mm-hmm. being unrespectful. But generally speaking... I, I felt well with them. And as I, as I tell you, I think they perceive I, I, I was very confident and I was never competing with them. So I think that is the key. <laughs> mm.
0: And what would you say, uh, where, with, where was that inner confidence coming from for you?
1: I wouldn't say I, I was born with that. I mean, <laughs> that was something that I developed through the years, maybe working a lot with men. Maybe I I I went to college to study engineer. Mm-hmm. So of course I was always surrounded by by men. By many guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe that made me strong. But of course there were times where where I felt like what's going on here. But it's a matter of learning of. Of knowing that if you are there is because it's because you deserve it, because you deserve it, sorry. So again, it's a path, it's something that you learned with the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that any woman needs to build that confidence to be able to to get there, not competing, but working as a team with men and women. Mm. And um I just had a question in my
0: mind and then it popped out, but, um, anyways, maybe I'll, I can, I can remember later, but I mean, um, another big, big topic I think is also for women particularly is, you know, balancing, let's say the family life and the work Mm -hmm. life, especially, um, when you have children and, um, yeah you had several children <laughs> during three, uh, three. Um, Yeah. while you were creating, let's say that career for you. So has it been difficult for you to, uh, to manage the two of them? Uh, because sometimes I feel it's maybe, maybe women perceive it as like, I have to choose either, either I can have the family or I can do the career, oh. but I can't have both. Uh, Because it is a lot to juggle. And so how did you actually get
1: both under one hat? Uh, I can't deny that it's a big challenge. I think that is the biggest challenge you always face. My opinion here, of course, is very personal. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was never like an option to sacrifice to be a mother or to sacrifice my personal life for achieving professional success so i was very lucky i could balance both but in my balance family and kids were always first Mm. so it was always explicit to my bosses i was always cleared and to the company that i was going to work hard i was going to do my best as long as i could preserve and maintain that balance where my children and my husband felt always that they were the most important part of my life Mm. so having that clear made my life much easier Mm. you know so I never felt for example having children as a disadvantage Mm -hmm. basically because when there were opportunities where they didn't fit in I would just not take them I knew that Mm. that was not for me Mm -hmm. so I knew I wouldn't feel well in them, since my family could not be part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for example, when I moved to Colum- from Colombia to Mexico, for me, the first thing was I knew that it was a great position, the position I, I anyone would, would love to have. But the first thing uh, that, that I analyzed was, is this the best choice for my family? Mm-hmm. So for me, you can keep the balance. As long as you have clear what is the main thing for you. And as long as that is clear for the company, for the boss, for the organization, for your mates, for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think all the people who worked with me knew that, for me, that family balance was key. And without it, I wouldn't do anything.
0: Mm, did, you, did you face any kind of resistance or maybe... Um, let's say, kind of negative uh, opinions or attitudes towards that?
1: Yeah, I can remember once that there was a big opportunity for for a role, yeah, also outside Colombia. And at that point, I just couldn't move. My, my husband couldn't move. I knew that was not the right moment for the kids. I told uh, my boss... He got a little bit upset, but again, I was very clear that you know what my conditions are here. And at the end of the day, he understood. Maybe at that point, at that moment, I thought like I'm closing all the doors here for me to move or to keep on growing in the company. Mm -hmm. But look, at the end of the day, it didn't happen. I mean, I maintained my role and when it was the right time, I got what I wanted. So I think you just need to keep clear what, what you want. Do not negotiate those principles and those main things as a family balances. And at the end of the day, everything will be there for you.
0: I mean, was that a moment of, uh, of fear for you? Of m- maybe facing a, a situation where... Um, like you mentioned, maybe that would be, let's say, the end. Maybe they don't, they wouldn't want to promote you anymore. Um, were you afraid of that, or
1: uh... yeah, maybe there was a, a point where I felt that, but I just persevere, and as I told you, I try to go to work every day just to do my best, mm-hmm. to do things well. So at the at the end of the day the good things that were going to happen happen in mm-hmm. another moment mm yeah
0: so what i what I see, for example, when it comes to this um let's say fam- prioritizing family and being like open open about it um I feel sometimes um particularly women obviously because I mean. Uh, as sad as it is but it's still i feel the reality we're still the main caretakers of children um mm-hmm. i feel that sometimes yeah. women uh especially in managerial positions they commit to a lot more than maybe mm-hmm. a, a man would because um because they're i feel like they're they're feeling that now that they have children or they need to leave sometimes earlier or whatever they need to kind of compensate for that,
2: mm.
1: Is that yeah something that happens
0: that you experience
1: I can't deny at the beginning when, when I had my my first daughter particularly mm-hmm. I had that feeling mm-hmm. but with, with the time I realized it it wasn't so I mean if you, are, if you have cleared your priorities mm-hmm. and you have the proper organization of your time and your priorities, you don't need to do that. I mean, I remember when, when I went to work when she was like only three months old, what I did was to be totally concentrated on my work during the hours where I was at the office. And then when I left the office, the office was there and I was focused on my family. Mm -hmm. So I think any woman would uh, experience what you are saying in Mm -hmm. terms of, oh, I need to compensate. But I think we always learn with the time that it's not a matter of compensating, Mm -hmm. but on keeping the discipline and the time organization Mm -hmm. to achieve both things, to be a devoted mother and to be a a good professional.
0: I like that. So now I remember my question from earlier, because <laughs> um, um, what I think is—I mean, it's not only applicable for for work, but really, obviously, for all life um, situations. But for you, as let's say, being a leader and being um, or having a lot of responsibility in certain positions, you know, how would you cope, or uh, let's say? Attack a situation or a problem where you really maybe had no clue what to do, where you it was maybe something completely new or something that um was just maybe it seemed like a like a a big task like an overwhelming task. How would you usually hmm. go about those situations?
1: Mm, that is something that changed a lot from the beginning of my career to to my final years in the company, of course. Well, how how,
0: how did you start out?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I have always been like very perfectionist and I used to rush a lot with all the things. So if everything was not the way I thought, I just messed up. <laughs> so, what I learned through the years was, I remember I learned that from, from, from a boss, like not to make decisions in the first time or in the first moment, mm-hmm. but to wait until, until at least the next day. Mm-hmm. Because at the beginning, I made decisions like in the worst moment and those decisions that you make when... When you are mad or you are desperate or something like that, are not the the, the best decisions. So, uh, something that I learned was to read, to wait until the next day before making a uh, big decisions. Uh, I always try to share my feelings and to listen what other people. Uh, was thinking about the problem, like mm-hmm. to learn about other people' point, people's point of view, or perspective. Mm-hmm. That was something that I didn't do at the beginning of my career, where I tried to solve everything myself. Something that I learned is like to share their feelings, share their worries, and try to get um, some people' perspective and and point of views. Mm-hmm. Um, what else oh maybe something that I do and it's not only when when working but in in my personal in my day-to-day life but I learned that at Nielsen was when I had a big problem wait until the next day sit Mm -hmm. down and come out with at least five possible solutions Mm -hmm. and Analyze them uh, from an an objective point of view. So think the problem is not with you. What Mm. would you do if another person was asking you um, for a solution or for a Mm -hmm. recommendation? So write at least least five possible solutions and work on them. That's what I I do even now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a great way, actually. I would probably even encourage people to even come up with more solutions because yeah. usually it's like the first probably I don't know couple of of ideas that we have are the ones that are always like at the top of our minds. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. the, the more time we actually spend, I think the more creative a solution can become. Mm. But it's a yeah, great advice. Right. It's a great advice. Mm-hmm. So, you. I mean, you've basically spent. Um, a, a like a lot of your career within one company, what yeah. do you think has kept you like staying there and motivated you to you know continue there and not try out maybe different ones?
1: yeah, yeah, as you said, I spent twenty years mm. in the same company that was all my career and and I feel proud about it um. I think there were definitely things that made me stay despite having received several proposals to move mainly to clients. Mm -hmm. As you know, we were at Nielsen, we were all the time in contact with clients. And of course, several approached to tell me to work for them. I always said no. I would say that there are like four Mm -hmm. things that made me stay at the same company. The first one was that I always felt I was valued valued Mm -hmm. as a person and my Mm. personal goals and principles were always important for the company. So, as I told you, for me, it was essential to be a present mother and a present wife. Mm -hmm. The balance between work and family was key. The fact of having roles that challenged me all the time was key. I think the company was so wise to understand that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and for me, it I mean it it was so valuable because I knew not all the companies had that vision, and in all those in all the in not all the companies, they were gonna be so understanding mm. to know that for me those things were first. So Paola as a person was important the for the company. that was key. I love this. The second one, this, yeah, for me that was—I would say—that is the most important one. But then there were others. For example, the learning process never stopped. Mm. So every day for me had a new learning in my job. I was always willing to learn, and there were always new things, new people. New technologies, new products to learn. Mm-hmm. So, that continuous and ongoing learning process that didn't stop made me love what I was doing. I think if I wasn't learning every day, I would have said bye. Mm. Because you need to be learning every day. But it depends not only on the company, but on you. I mean, I think you can learn every day wherever you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, that learning process that never stopped was key. Uh, and the other one, and as, as I mentioned before, was the great work environment. So, generally speaking, in all the roles I had, I was able to develop great teams. I had bosses and teams that were supportive. Uh, in most of the cases, we really worked as a family. Mm. We respect each other, we all well we all won want, um, wanted the team to succeed, so you know it was a good thing going to work every day mm. so that was the other factor that that made me love my company and and never and always worked for them for twenty years and don't leave them i think
0: I think it's so interesting actually to mention. For you to mention those four things, because what I, what I notice amongst, let's say, my friends and my generation is like those are exactly those points that frustrate so many. Uh, I could probably say millennials in the current workplace. Where, yeah, uh, people are so frustrated because they feel like the companies don't align with their personal values anymore because they yeah. don't feel appreciated, etc. So um, it's really amazing to hear that. Um, you could actually also have a workplace like that and um, because those are all things that are actually you know addressing our own let's say human basic needs to grow to learn uh, for love and it's also sometimes mind-boggling to me that companies just don't see that anymore
1: I know yeah a lot of people talk about the millennials and they say oh no no they they are always complaining and what i believe is that companies haven't been able to identify what their expectations are Mm. they don't want anymore to have uh, the best car and necessarily to have the best salary no they have another expectation so what the companies need to do is to understand what they are just as Nielsen did with me Mm. they knew that my main expectation the thing that was most important for me was to to have that balance between my personal life and my my working life and that was it, they were able to identify that and I was happy working for them, if companies are able to identify what my millennials needs and expectations are properly they will succeed Mm. I think so too
0: so I mean in yeah. the end in the end you decided to actually leave the company at a certain point. So what was yeah. what was that moment all about or that face that made you take that step and say goodbye to actually uh, a long and successful career there?
1: Yeah, I mean that that, that was one of the toughest decisions I, I've made in my life, definitely. Um you as I have told you that company had given me all those wonderful things. Uh, I still miss all the corporate life, but I I just it just came up the moment when I felt it was time for me for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, I My eldest daughter was about to become a teenager. Uh, the little one I felt that was that, kind of girl who really needed her mom to be there Mm -hmm. and my husband had made a big big sacrifice in in terms of his professional life Mm -hmm. for me so when that moment came I I made the decision I was clear with the company I felt that I needed to reinvent myself Mm -hmm. There were simple things like taking my kids to school, like being home when they arrived, that became important for me after 20 years. And I never regret having worked for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I am a defender of balance between work and family because I know you can do it. Mm -hmm. But after 20 years, I just felt that it was time for me to change, to re- reinvent myself, as I told you. I had always wanted, for example, to teach kids. Mm-hmm. I had always wanted to learn more about religions and spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. So, I think just life made you know that it's time for that. And that's that's what I did. It was a, a big decision. Uh, I I don't regret, but again, I value and... I think with emotion of those days that I worked for Niels. Mm. What
0: do you think helped you make that decision? Because I'm so sure that, I mean, we're we're already dreaded with, let's say, just quitting a regular, not fancy position job, right? (laughs) Because, let's say, of the financial security that it provides and uh, a certain stability, especially when you have a family. So, um what do you think has given you let's say this this push to really say, no, I am gonna do it and um I'm gonna give up certain things that come with uh let's say being at the mm-hmm. company?
1: I mean it's hard to know what was like the moment or the thing that, that made you that made me make that decision. I'd say that it was a deep reflection and mm-hmm. and a deep internal analysis or introspection of, of what I wanted for my life, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that I didn't like, again, what I was doing and, and that I was not proud and that I wouldn't do the same if I could uh, take time back. But, but I think you just feel it. Mm-hmm. I started that deep reflection of the thing I was missing and that I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And that made me think like, okay, thank God for everything I live here, mm-hmm. but I want to live something different at this point of my life. Mm. Yeah, yeah but, but it's hard to know what it was, the, the, the reason it, it was something that I started feeling
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that at some point that feeling was so strong that I said, mm. now it's time, now it's time.
0: So Paula, if you had the power to um, to implement one message, one belief into the mind of every woman out there in the world, uh, that by you just it's like putting in a chip, and tomorrow all of them would be believing that about themselves or about life. What would you like every woman to to know or to believe? around herself, about life, about whatever it is that she feels is important.
1: Wow. What could... I mean, there are several things that come to my mind. (laughs) I think it's hard to summarize. What would be the most important Maybe I would say some things. Yeah. The first one is... Always believe in what you are doing. If you feel that the place where you are don't belong to what you dream and what you expect from life, I mean, just leave it. As I told you, if you ask me why did I spend 20 years of my life there, was and the reason was because every day I went to work, I felt that that was my place. And I threw my work and through my life there, I was being my better self. I mean, the, the best Paola that could be was the one who was going to work and who was at Nielsen and that at 6 or, or 5 p.m. went to chair with her family. So mm-hmm. the first thing is that believe that the place where you are belongs to you and that you belong to that place, mm-hmm. belong to that place. Uh, always learn to be honest. As I told you, for me, honesty was like key. Mm-hmm. Always keeping the principle, always keep your ethics and defend those principles even if you're afraid to lose something. Mm. The, maybe another thing that I, that I think is very important is be always kind and humble. Mm-hmm. I found that those people that I remember those people that inspired me to do my best were always that were humble that were kind and that never respond to negativity I think when when you work it's always very easy to to respond to negativity to negativity so a big challenge is to keep positive and to always be who you are and remember that you are not your job you are never your job you are who you are who you are as a person
0: and what would you say um something i call three pieces of uh three nuggets of wisdom there we go um if you could (laughs) if you could share three pieces of wisdom with six-year-old paula with everything that you've been through today or until today what would be three things that you would like her to know going through life? Wow.
1: That is a big reflection. Huh? <laughs> Just a big reflection <laughs> in like
0: 30 seconds, but take your time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Maybe, yeah, believe in yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Believing yourself doesn't mean you will go over the others. Always work with others. Mm-hmm. Um, always try to identify to identify those things you're good at, mm-hmm. and work on being even better. Mm. I think that was something I didn't mention, but when i I do like a retrospective of my career mm-hmm. I succeed when I found those things that I was good at, and I focused on developing myself on doing them better
2: mm-hmm.
1: than when I just started looking at anything I could do no before um doing something or picking a project picking a project i mean a, a project for life not necessarily a, a work project think am i going to enjoy it i am will i be good at doing it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and am i going to be able to put all my passion on it maybe that 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 would be a a learning for that six little girl that thought that she could do anything mm-hmm. without even analyzing if she was going to do it well and if she was going to enjoy it. And the third thing would be you will succeed as long as you make other people succeed with you. Hmm. I'm like a team working, worker and I always believe that if you are able to be that inspiration and that person that will help others to grow, you will grow that that will just come so don't try to be always the boss to be the person who is in front of the others but not work with the others and help others to be better
0: that was beautiful that was really great mm-hmm. so Paula thank you so much for being mm-hmm. with us today for sharing your story for sharing so much wisdom i really appreciate it and Uh, I really take a lot out of it myself. Um, (laughs) And um, I really hope that everybody who's listening does too. So thank you so much.
1: No, anytime. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Olga. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into the Thrive
0: Podcast and spending your precious time with us. If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network, friends and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash Thrive Podcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.